In control theories, they operate a little bit differently than other theories of crime because rather than trying to determine why some people deviate from social and legal norms, it asks, why does anyone conform? Why don't we all violate the rules? And Hershey said, in control theories, this question has never been adequately answered. The question remains, why do we obey the rules of society? Deviance is taken for granted, and conformity must be explained. The answer offered by control theory is that we conform because social controls prevent us from committing crimes. Whenever these controls break down or weaken, deviance is likely to result. And control theory argues that people are motivated to conform by social controls, but need no special motivation to violate the law. That comes naturally in the absence of controls. This natural motivation assumption does not necessarily refer to inborn tendencies to commit crime. Rather, it refers to the assumption that there is no individual variation in motivations to commit crime. And the question, why do they do that, is simply not the question theory is designed to answer. The question is, why don't we do it? There is much evidence that we would if we dared. Some early control theories include Reese's and Nye's theories of internal and external controls, as well as Reckless's containment theory. And in the theory of internal and external controls, personal controls are internalized, whereas social controls operate through the external application of legal and informal social sanctions. And the sociological concept of social control includes both socialization, in which a person acquires self-control, and the control over, one's, over the person's behavior through the external application of social sanctions, rewards for conformity, and punishment for deviance. The understanding that the applications of sanctions is a major process by which socialization occurs. Nye later expanded on this idea and identified three main categories of social control that prevent delinquency. First is direct control, by which punishment is imposed or threatened for misconduct and compliance is rewarded by parents. Second is indirect control, by which a youth refrains from delinquency because his or her delinquent act might cause pain and disappointment for parents or others with whom one has a close relationship. And lastly, internal control is by which a youth's conscious or self sense of guilt prevents him or her from engaging in delinquent acts. And I recognize that direct controls could be exercised through formal or legal sanctions, but he emphasized informal, indirect controls in the family. He also argued that the more adolescents' needs for affection, recognition, security, and new experiences are met within the family, the less likely they will turn to meeting those in unacceptable ways outside of the family. Containment theory was built on the same concepts of internal and external control, which Reckless termed inner and outer containment. The basic proposition for containment theory is that these inner and outer pushes and pulls will produce delinquent behavior unless counteracted by inner and outer containments. When the motivations to deviance are strong and containment is weak, crime and delinquency are to be expected. Outer containments include parental and school supervision and discipline, strong group cohesion, and a consistent moral front. Inner containment consists primarily of conscience or a good sense of self, which renders one less vulnerable to the pushes and pulls of a deviant environment. This is produced by socialization in the family and essentially formed by the age of 12. Within control theories, we have Hershey's social bonding theory, which some of its central concepts and propositions include 
theory begins with the proposition that delinquent acts result when an individual's bond to society is weak or broken. And there are four principal elements that make up this bond. There's attachment to others, commitment, involvement, and belief. And the stronger that these elements of social bonding with parents, adults, school teachers, and peers, the more the individual's behavior will be controlled. And an attachment to others is the extent to which we have close affectional ties to the others we admire and identify with them. And the more insensitive we are to others' opinions, the less we are constrained by the norms that we share with them. Uh, therefore, more likely we are to violate those norms. Hershey emphasizes that attachment to parents and parental supervision are important in controlling delinquency and maintaining conformity. But he also stresses that attachment to peers can control delinquent tendencies. And although he often uses the phrase attachment to conventional others, Hershey maintained that it really does not matter to whom one is attached. It is the fact that there is attachment to other people, not to the character of the people. And this is what determines co-adherence to or violation of conventional rules. Commitment refers to the extent in which individuals have built up an investment or a stake in conformity that would be jeopardized or lost by engaging in law violation or other forms of deviance. Investment to conventional educational and occupational endeavors build up this commitment. The greater the commitment, the more one risks losing by nonconformity. Commitment therefore refers to a more or less rational element in the decision to commit crime. Involvement refers to one's engrossment in conventional activities, such as by studying, spending time with friends, and participation in extracurricular activities. One is restrained from delinquent behavior because one is too busy, too preoccupied, or even too consumed in conforming pursuits to become involved in non-conforming pursuits. The concept of belief in social bonding theory is defined as the endorsement of general conventional values and norms, especially the belief that laws and society's rules in general are morally correct and should be obeyed. And the concept does not necessarily refer to the beliefs about specific laws or acts, nor does it mean that people hold deviant beliefs that require them to commit crime. In fact, Hershey argued that if deviant beliefs are present, there is nothing to be explained. Now, let's look at some examples of this. The first example comes from the film Boys in the Hood. Alright, Trey. I gotta lay down the rules of the house. It's the same thing as weekends, you remember? Alright, then what are they? Clean the bathroom, sink, floor. And tub. I gotta clean that tub? Yeah. Clean my room, water the line. Dad, can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. What do you have to do around here? I don't have to do nothing around here except for pay the bills, put food on the table, and put clothes on your back. You understand? No, I don't have to pay no bills. You know, Trey, you may think I'm being hard on you right now, but I'm not. 
What I'm doing is I'm trying to teach you how to be responsible. It's like your little friends across the street, they don't have anybody to show them how to do that. They don't. But you're going to see how they end up, too. I'm glad you're here, Trey. You're a prince, you know that? Yeah. You're the prince. I'm the king. <laughs> right now, the king says it's time for the prince to go to bed. So, get yourself together. I'll see you in the morning, okay? The next example comes from a National Geographic episode. Most of the new arrivals are repeat offenders and know how to survive behind bars. Hey guys, he's gonna have to give you a urine test, so just kinda hold on. Boggs has no criminal history. He landed in prison in part because he's a social outcast. 6006465. Boggs committed his crime, threatening a stranger with a knife after being fired from his job. You go past the black, get it up in here, and then just... With few friends to turn to, he says he just snapped. I attacked somebody at the mall. Uh, anything in your mouth? No. Behind your ears? I have yep, somewhat antisocial tendencies. I tend to keep to myself a lot, and that helps keep all the anger in, and I don't unload on a lot of people. So it was more of self-isolation that helped cause it. But to survive among these young inmates, Boggs must make alliances. He befriends 19-year-old Ben Byford, serving his second stint at Fort Dodge for a string of burglaries. Boggs needs Byford to show him the ropes. On the left is Rivers program. In the middle is the library and the school. Random knocking on the windows. Behind those windows and across the yard, other inmates sized them up. The true test will be inside. Their new home is Emmett Unit. One hundred and fifty inmates live, eat, and sleep here. Some entered prison as young men. Now they're hardened veterans, waiting to gang up on anyone who appears weak. Boggs arrives in the unit during chow. What What's up, fam? What's up, fam? That's my dude right there from the street. <laughs> you got it real sloppy for you. You worse. Hey, hey. In line, he mistakes taunting for friendliness. Huh? I'm from Cedar Falls. Me too. You remember me from the street? What's that girl? That one girl. No idea. Huh? What's that? Sir? No, Come Brittany. here, fish. It was Brittany. Brittany? You remember her? Yeah, you know, you remember Brittany? I think so. Brittany? Brittany is slang for coward. 
An adolescent attachment to parents is measured by close parental supervision and discipline. The good communication and relationships of the adolescent with parents and his or her affectional identification with parents, he or she would like to be the same kind of person as the parent. Academic achievement in school is also, as indicated by grades, test scores, and self-perception of scholastic ability, is taken as an indicator of commitment, involvement, attachment, and also belief. Attachment to the school is directly measured by positive attitudes towards school, the concern for teachers' opinions of oneself, and an acceptance of the school's authority. Attachment appears as measured by affectional identification with and respect for the opinions of best friends, premature engagement in adult activities by adolescents, such as smoking, drinking, or owning a car, indicates a lack of commitment to the achievement of educational goals. Commitment to education is measured by both educational aspirations and achievement orientation. Commitment is also measured by occupational aspirations and expectations. Involvement in conventional activities is measured by asking about time spent with family and friends, by doing homework, sports, recreation, hobbies, dating, and also part-time work. And belief is measured by reference to values relative to the law and the conventional value system. This includes the extent to which an adolescent has general respect for the police and the law and believes that the law should be obeyed and does not endorse the techniques of neutralization and endorses values such as the importance of education. Our next example comes from Carrie, a chilling adaptation of Stephen King's horror novel. Withdrawn and sensitive teen Carrie White faces taunting from classmates at school and abuse from her fanatically religious mother at home. And when strange occurrences start happening around Carrie, she begins to suspect that she has supernatural powers. Invited to the prom by empathetic Tommy Ross, Carrie tries to let her guard down, but things eventually take a dark turn.
Hershey's own research supported the empirical validity of social bonding theory, except for involvement. The weaker the bonds, the higher the probability of delinquency. He found that delinquency to be the most strongly related to association with delinquent friends, a finding not anticipated by the theory. Contrary to what Hershey hypothesized, those who are strongly attached to, to, to delinquent friends are themselves more likely to be delinquent, finding more in line with social learning theory than with social bonding theory. Although Hershey hypothesized that the relationship in which delinquents participate are cold and brittle, deviant youth have relationships with others, including romantic partners, that are no less intimate and stable than conforming youth, and also found evidence contrary to social bonding theories hypothesis that attachment to parents inhibits delinquency regardless of parental behavior. For example, attachment to drug-free parents controls drug use by adolescents, whereas attachment to drug-using parents does not. Parental deviance provides deviant models and undermines social control in the family. Social bonding theory has received some verification from empirical research. However, the magnitude of the relationship between social bonding and deviant behavior has ranged from moderate to low. High correlations and levels of explained variance are seldom found in research literature on this theory. Although most of the findings on delinquent behavior and social bonds that Hershey found in his original research favor the theory, the relationships are modest and some are in the opposite direction from that expected by the theory. Nevertheless, most social bonding research since then has produced similar supportive findings. Thank you everybody for listening. Be on the lookout for the next episode that will include part two of social and control theories of crime.